What's up, y'all? My name's Leticia, and you're listening to Confessions from the Closet, a podcast all about vulnerability and overcoming. It's time we get ourselves unstuck from these boxes and these closets that we've allowed ourselves to be trapped in. We're so much bigger than these boxes we've been in. It's time we go deep, y'all. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another week of Confessions from the Closet. I'm excited about this week's episode. We have been following each other for, we think, like at least five years. We're not sure. Um, But I'm joined this week by my friends from Instagram, Jordan and Haley, who have started a new company this last week um, called the Proud Love Collective. So we're going to get to hear about their story, um, their stories individually, their stories together, and how they came to start this new Proud Love Collective. So thank y'all for joining me. Thank you. We're really excited to be here. Yeah. Um, So first thing I always like to start with is when did you come to know Jesus? Sure. Um, I'll answer first and then you can answer. That's fine. Um, So I grew up in the church. My dad is actually a music pastor and so grew up in church setting. So I think I was probably six or seven years old, really, really young. and so, yeah, I just grew up in that environment and didn't know anything else. So, yeah, same for me. My dad's a pastor. Um, so it wasn't ever like a specific moment for me that I came to know Jesus. Like people per se have like a, a God moment. Um, it yeah. was just kind of it was my life and my lifestyle. It's what we grew up with. So um, for me, it was always from birth, <laughs> really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, I was raised in the church, too, so I understand. It's just like, yeah, it's my whole life. Um, yeah. So growing up in the church, what were some things that you would hear about LGBTQ people? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, honestly, it wasn't ever something that, for me, I ever saw displayed in front of me. Obviously, mm-hmm. my family, I was very sheltered. We lived in the very... Christian bubble. And so, you know, I just, I didn't know anyone who was gay. I didn't, we didn't ever see anything on TV or, you know, it wasn't as popular Mm -hmm. back then anyway, to see it in mainstream media anyway. Um, And so in that regard, didn't have a whole lot of exposure. Um, But just as far as what we were taught growing up, I mean, I'm sure it's the same as a lot of people who grew up in the church that, you know, being a gay is a sin or, you know, the big A word abomination. And um, I remember um, whenever, um, Ellen DeGeneres was in the media for the first time talking, you know, when she came out and I remember my family's reaction and I was really little, but I just remember even them picking up on their reactions of like, Oh my God, that's so disgusting, you know, and just, yeah. you know, those types of conversations. Um, but from a religious aspect, obviously we, you know, it was always, it's, it's a sin, it's, it's an abomination. Mm-hmm. And to my family, you know, they thought it was disgusting. So, yeah. Yeah. Same for me. Um, I feel like pretty much across the board, as religion goes, it's it's all the same. Um, mm-hmm. But it was never a thing even spoken of in our home, for sure. Um, but mm-hmm. if it was ever something that we saw out, or um, I actually, when I was in second grade, ended up having a best friend and like her moms were gay. And so um, it was a thing of like it is not to be brought up in this house or spoken of. And obviously like you're not allowed to come to their house. They're not allowed to come to our home. Um, So just a lot of really just leave it unspoken. Um, Mm -hmm. And if it's seen, turn your head because it's, 
it's disgusting and it's wrong. Yeah. Did okay. So then, I love that you had a best friend who had two moms because I always wonder what people think. Yeah. When <laughs> they realize my Apollo doesn't really hang out with anyone, um, because he's three. But I always we yeah. always wonder what people think, or if anything's said. Or she's very sheltered. Mm-hmm. We're like. Eh. We are selective with who she can hang out with, but right. I think that's awesome that you had a friend that had two moms, um, so, which leads me into my next question, which was, when did you know or start realizing that you were gay? And Haley, for you, did having a best friend with two moms, like, help show you that it was a possibility to have a family? Um, at that time, obviously, with what I was surrounded by, um, it was never even a thought in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't even admit to myself, <laughs> she's like laughing already. <laughs> I didn't even admit to myself that I was gay until I had already been in a relationship with Jordan for like, what, a year and a half, <laughs> Almost two, two years. years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not that I didn't know, but yeah. again, the whole religious thing that comes along with it. And, mm-hmm. you know, like maybe if I don't admit this to myself, I'm not going to hell. Um, so mm-hmm. it was... It was quite the process, but looking back now, um, I am very thankful that I had that best friend, even at a very young age, to know that um, even though I was suppressing all of those things and those Mm -hmm. feelings, um, that in a roundabout way, even at that young of an age, that was like a safety net for me to have that and to be able to watch them even from afar, obviously, yeah. Um, and it did come around to the point like later years down the road that we were allowed to go to their home. Um, and for me, it was never like I didn't ever feel like my my parents felt or how the church had spoken of it. Like it, it just mm-hmm. felt normal to me and right. And I never looked at it as a way of like, oh, this is a big, bad, scary thing. Yeah. Um, it was actually very beautiful and helpful. So. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, For me, my situation was a little different. So obviously everything's clear in retrospect. So now when Mm -hmm. I look back at my life, I can see these um, patterns of even at a young age, I was always really drawn to women, even though I didn't have the language or even Mm -hmm. to know, you know, like, oh, I might be gay, you know, like especially growing up because like I said, we didn't have that modeled in front of us at all. And so, but now looking back, I can always see that I was always drawn to women, um, Mm -hmm. just even in an innocent way. Um, and then as I got older and got into high school, I actually, um, got into a relationship with an older woman actually from the time I was in high school. And that relationship lasted for almost 10 years. Um, not a good relationship, um, had to do a lot of work surrounding that whole situation. Um, but it was, through all of that and kind of healing from that relationship that I started, you know, asking myself the question like, okay, I actually really might be gay. And, uh, you know, that sounds like an obvious question (laughs) that you would ask yourself after being in a relationship with a woman for 10 years. Um, But again, I was just so separated from um, the LGBTQ community and so isolated Mm -hmm. that I, even after I had lived and, and been in a relationship for so long, it still wasn't on my mental radar to start actually asking myself those questions. And so finally I did, and I was you know, getting some counseling and, and getting some help. And I remember I had a counselor mm-hmm. ask me one day, she was just like, 
well, do you think you might be gay? <laughs> and it was the most profound question. So silly to say that, but for me, like, it oh. was. And then it just kind of opened this door of like, oh, okay, well, this is making more sense. And so um, yeah. just then started on that process of, okay, what does this look like for me? What does this look mm-hmm. like, you know, with my faith and what I've been taught and just kind of then jump started that whole um, process. And then I've obviously, by the time she and I met, I was already well into that journey. And then you were just, just was not, you were not, you jumped on that train after we had already been together for a while, but oh, yeah, yeah, it's been a, quite the journey and quite the process. Mm. I think it's crazy to me that you both went through the same thing. Like Haley's saying that she, it took a couple years of being with you to be like, okay, maybe I am gay. Um, and you did the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Like it didn't ever yeah. connect. You were just in this safe place. Or I mean, you said it wasn't a great relationship, but obviously for 10 years you felt comfortable enough. Because um, Maddie yep. and I were going yeah. on like, this is eight years. So that's a long time. Um, yeah. Did you – so, Jordan, since you didn't um, realize, when did you come out? Like you didn't realize in the relationship. So did your family know you were with her for 10 years? I think they always kind of had suspicions. I don't know how you really couldn't. Um, yeah. And, but it was very much don't ask, don't tell. That's kind of the Southern mm-hmm. culture anyway. And then very much my family's um, default setting. And so I think they just thought if we don't acknowledge this, then it's not actually happening. Right. Um, but I actually... Um, I had gone on a year-long mission trip. That's actually where we met. We were both missionaries overseas for a year. Um, and so it was actually while I was overseas, I actually got the courage to finally come out to my parents and tell them, like, mm-hmm. look, I had been in this relationship for this, you know, for the past however many years and, you know, I'm gay. And and I think because I had the buffer of being overseas and being <laughs> You know, where mm-hmm. they couldn't immediately reach me if they mm-hmm. needed to with their poor reaction or whatever it was going to be. I felt safer being able to do it in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so their initial reaction wasn't great. Um, but again, I had all this time. I still wasn't going to be, you know, having to see them for another six months or so. And so that kind of um, quelled everything a little bit. And I think for them, they just thought, Again, if we don't talk about this or acknowledge it when she gets home, then it doesn't actually exist. Um, So I actually ended up having to come out to my family, I think probably about three times before they actually. Definitely at least three times. (laughs) Before they actually got it. And then it really set in. And it was obviously after she and I were already together Mm -hmm. and they could see like, okay, this isn't going away. Um, And that's whenever it was like real. They were like, oh, and then it. You know, it was like the real reaction that, yeah, know, the one that everyone dreads is, <laughs> yeah, you know, the reaction. So, yeah, how it's going to be. Yeah. And yeah. For you, so Haley? for me, um, I actually I didn't get to per se come out on my own. Um, mm-hmm. My sister outed us. Um, so it was it was a different process for me because. I didn't get to do it on my own. It was was Mm -hmm. done for me. Um, And it was actually really horrible. Um, So I, my, my process was um, in a moment of when I was actually in a situation of, I was, I was in my parents' home. um, I was outed. Mm -hmm. And so just 
having to go through all that with my dad being a pastor and um, things like that. So um, it was kind of done for me, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so you were still living at home, which I, I didn't have to go through that. I was already out of the house living on my own. Was that harder? Did you have to move out? Did they, how was that response for you? Um, so you're you're wanting to say say, no, go ahead. No, you can answer that question. Then I'll, I'll follow up with that. Um, I would, I would I don't know that I would say it's harder one way or the other. Um, just because, you know, everyone's journey is different. Everyone's experience Mm -hmm. is different. And at the end of the day, for many of us, it's really hard. Um, but Mm -hmm. for being at home and being under their roof and with my dad being a pastor and us, even then I was still very, very involved in the church. Mm -hmm. Um, it was very much a thing that I was not welcome in their home anymore. And, um, of course, you know, they had to say all the right things that they would still love me no matter what. Um, mm-hmm. But the actions did not follow up with that at all. Um, and yeah. we were definitely like had to leave our churches. We lost our church community, our friend community, because our our friend community was our church community. Um, so mm-hmm. we lost everyone and everything. Um, and if you want to follow that up with what you're going to say. Oh, no, I was, I agree with what you said. Just, you know, everyone's situation is, you know, coming out's never necessarily easy. Um, But the fact that you were, we both were still um, under our parents' roof partially. Partially, um, But thankfully, we were very fortunate in that we were in the process of getting our own place anyway. Um, And so Mm -hmm. just the timing and the way things fell, thankfully, we were able to get into our own home pretty quickly um, after things kind of blew up and and hit Mm -hmm. the fan. So um, having that safe space was definitely important because I don't know how we would have made it if we were, you know, if we had been, you know, a lot younger, you know, maybe even like in high school and things like that, you know, having to deal with our parents still truly being our only means of support. Um, And so we usually try to tell people when they ask us, you know, about coming out and advice and things like that, we always try to tell people, like, make sure you have a safety net, whatever that means for you, you know, make sure Mm -hmm. that your physical, you know, your physical safety is is most important as well as your mental and emotional safety. And so we were fortunate that we did have a safe place to go to relatively soon after people knew about us. So. So we're, are y'all from the same town? No, actually. She's from uh, deep south Mississippi. And then um, I've been in the Nashville, Tennessee area for, okay. God, 15-something years now. So we, we're still in Tennessee. She actually came and moved up to Nashville um, to live with me and um, my older brother. We actually all three got an apartment at the time, and um, which we're on our own now. But um, at the time, he was also trying to get his life started. And so we all just, all three jumped in together and tried to figure it out. And yeah, it, I mean, it worked out. <laughs> it did. Oh, yeah. Air mattress and three spoons. Oh yeah. We, we had an air mattress and no furniture and literally. But it, it worked scratch. and we were together. So that's, yeah. what we, yeah. that's what mattered. Yeah. Yes. That's yeah. good. Um, which leads me really into the proud love collective and how y'all started that. I have it open right now. Um, and it talks about how y'all processed through can you have faith and can you be gay? 
And so y'all obviously did that together. What was that journey like, which led you into Proud Love Collective? Yeah. Um, yeah, so that process for us was, um, I think for me anyway, a lot harder than what I was anticipating. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think a big portion of that had to do with the reactions that we were getting from the church and people that we trusted and that we had viewed as authority in our lives for so long. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that the fact that there was such a dissonance between, you know, this, these people that say that they love us and that they stand for, you know, they're, they stand on on the pulpit on Sunday and speak as Mm -hmm. though it's the voice of God. And then yet they turn around and treat their children like this, you know? And so for me, I had a really difficult time, uh, reconciling those two things. And, um, for a while got really angry and was just like, I'm not going to have anything to do with any of this if this is Mm -hmm. what it's all really about. Um, but with that being said, we didn't, or uh, I'm not going to say we, because our processes, they were similar, but they were different. So it's pretty much, it's the same. Eventually got to the point where I wasn't satisfied just saying, forget all of this, you know, like you can't mm-hmm. have your whole life be structured around faith and God and this relationship with God. And then all of a sudden just say, forget it all. And then immediately be yeah. okay with that. And I liked, you know, to tell myself that I could, but you know, by the, at the end of the day, it, I was never peaceful about it. Um, mm-hmm. And so we just went through this huge journey of, re-examining everything that we had ever been taught growing up. Literally everything. Like, what do I, what have I been taught about God? Who is that God? What do I think about that God? And and how does that affect what I think about myself? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and unpacking that. And then same thing for the Bible. What have I been taught about the Bible? What do I really think about that myself? And how is that impacting how I move forward with my life as a gay person, you know, and, and just mm-hmm. step by step kind of unpacking some of that. Um, and it was a really messy, difficult process. And there were days where we felt like completely lost. And so mm-hmm. now that we've obviously moved through that process process and have come to more of a place of peace, as far as just what we believe and what we, you know, feel for ourselves, um, looking back, we said how much we wish we could go back to those younger versions of ourselves mm-hmm. and have those conversations, you know, to, yeah. to kind of help you get from point A to point B. Because when your entire faith is crumbling or, and, you know, then and you've lost all your support and everything that you've had as your mm-hmm. life wrapped from the time you were born, when all that crumbles and you just you are looking for any sort of direction, any sort of support, anybody to say, hey, you know what? I remember when I felt like that and there is light at the yeah. end of the tunnel. And here are some stepping stones that I took to get to that point. Because when you're, you're at the beginning of that, you can't, you know, think or see your way out of it sometimes. So yeah. for us, Proud Love Collective was just a way for us to hopefully give back to the community in a way of like, here's what we wish we would have had when mm-hmm. we were in our darkest points of this process. Um, and to hopefully help spare you some of the 
you know, difficulty that we went through on a spiritual level and a personal level, but then also just on a practical level, some of the things that we learned about coming out Mm -hmm. and how to have those conversations in a safe way, how to have boundaries and protect your, you know, your mental health and your emotional Mm -hmm. health. Or who even to have those conversations with. Yeah, who and how and when. And obviously there's not any hard and fast rules per se, but just it's always helpful, I think, to hear from other people who have been through it um, and to say, here's what worked for us. Here's what didn't, at least, you know, just to kind of give people some guidance. So yeah, that's kind of where Proud came from and and where we're hoping to, hoping to let it become. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I think you covered that pretty well. (laughs) Good. Good. Yeah. I love that. Um, So y'all have been together how many years now? Almost seven. Mm-hmm. It'll be seven in October. Awesome. Are y'all still in contact with your families? How's that been? No. So I have an older brother and he is probably the only one, I say probably, he is the only one mm-hmm. on my side of the family that is cool with everything. He loves Haley, mm-hmm. loves us, thinks that we're great. Um, but other than that, um, everyone else in the family has not come around. Um, Mm -hmm. and so just for myself, um, you know, we've kind of created a boundary. They put up a wall, but then we've also created a boundary for ourselves as far as, you know, it's not healthy or safe for us to continue to allow certain conversations to happen. You know, for a Mm -hmm. while I felt like it was my responsibility to allow my family to say whatever they felt like they needed to say about it as a way to try to, you know, turn us back to the Lord or whatever they thought they were doing. Um, And for a while I felt like I had to keep the door open to have those conversations Mm -hmm. and hope that, you know, eventually they would see that no, we're okay and we're in a good place and we're... Mm-hmm. That they would come around. Yeah, that they would come around. Um, but leaving that door open for us, at least at this stage in, in our lives, is not... wasn't beneficial, wasn't safe or healthy for us to continue to allow. And so we don't have any contact with my side of the family or Definitely your side either. Um, yeah. It's just out of safety for ourselves. So... Um, with my family, we don't have any contact with them whatsoever, just out of safety. And mm-hmm. um, it just got to a point where leaving that door open was causing more harm on our end than good. Mm-hmm. And um, so for now, we have, you know, they, they've they made it clear to us that they don't want us together as a couple. Um, you know, they don't acknowledge us as a couple they don't want the kids to see us together you know all of that kind of mm. stuff and so yeah. um and then we had gotten you know just some negative um messages and conversations and all that so it just got to the point where it was just safer and healthier for us to also put up that yeah. boundary and to say you know we love them we send them love we send them light if they're going to ever come around it will have to be because they do their own work mm-hmm. and not yeah. because we're the ones to make that change happen just because it's not helpful for us to try to be the ones to facilitate that process. Mm -hmm. So. Right. I don't think, I think it's not our job to do that. Like it's too much for us to be the ones that are doing all the work, even if it's about faith, it's 
you can't teach someone something mm-hmm. like they they really need to do the work themselves about any part like y'all deconstructing the faith to reconcile yes i can love the lord and i am loved by god and i can love Haley or and i can love jordan like mm-hmm. that's your personal mm-hmm. work and mm-hmm. nobody can do that for you but yourself um, exactly which is important exactly because you have to want to yeah um absolutely and i think a lot like that's part of the thing behind the podcast is a lot of people don't understand you know each story is different we each have our own journey of how we came out how we reconciled that some people have lost faith completely in this community because of the trauma and have no interest in it um we all have such different stories mm-hmm. which was i mean it was the driving force to find different people because i want to educate not just help people in the lgbtq community but educate straight people straight christians to say like look at mm-hmm. this is all different stories we have to go through all different journeys and yet we still our faith is still so important to us but so is our health and our safety one thing i i wanted to ask is what were some of the things that y'all did that helped y'all realize that you are loved by God or some things that helped with that journey? Yeah. Um, for me, I became like a sponge for any sort of material that was progressive in nature as far as Christian faith is concerned. I didn't mm-hmm. even know that the progressive Christian movement was even a thing. thing. (laughs) Um, I was very sheltered from that. And so I just, I literally started, this is going to sound hilarious, but I (laughs) lived in Nashville at the time. And I remembered reading or hearing something once upon a time that Carrie Carrie Underwood Underwood. (laughs) of all people had gone to a church in Nashville that was uh, an affirm, a gay affirming church. And that Carrie Underwood had gotten all this hell about the fact that her church was a gay church. And so I literally Googled Carrie Underwood Gay Church Nashville (laughs) just as a way to try to find anything that was helpful for us or a safe space because we didn't have a church at the time. We were missing that piece of our life. And so we were just looking for anything. And so that's literally I Googled that. Um, and then stumbled upon, um, there's a great church here in Nashville called, called Grace Point Church in Nashville. And mm-hmm. um, they had a lot of wonderful resources. They mm-hmm. um, were a mega church here in Nashville that back in 2015 or 2016 announced that they were going to be a gay affirming church. It was one of the first in the area to do that. And obviously yeah. it was this whole big, they got national media attention over it because people obviously threw a fit about it and mm-hmm. you know they lost half their congregation and started from scratch and so they were putting out all of this media and content and sermons basically explaining why we feel led to do this you know what mm-hmm. our what their process had been to get to that point um and so yeah. it was really great because it kind of was mirroring what our process needed to be of like how yeah. did they get from step A to B to C mm-hmm. to D to, you know, work their way through this? And so I just became like a sponge and I would listen to like. I was going to say all of Stan, the pastor at yeah, the time. His, all of his the podcasts. podcasts. I would listen to four or five podcasts a day. I was, you know, learning just anyone that I could get my hands on that was 
you know, mm-hmm. remotely progressive. And then finding people mm-hmm. like Brene Brown, who doesn't speak necessarily about religious aspect of things so much, but she does talk about shame and, you know, your own personal mm-hmm. identity and accepting yourself. And, you know, it just was like one thing snowballed into the next. Um, yeah. But really just that whole progressive, progressive Christian conversation was like a light, mm-hmm. a light at the end of the tunnel for us. Um, because it let me know that there were people out there that had all these same questions that I had had for a long mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. you know, of why do we say that we believe this, you know, or, but all the questions you could never yeah. really ask in that environment. Yeah. I, when you, when we stepped outside of it, we realized, no, no, there's a really, there's a lot of people like yeah. this out there. We just didn't know. <laughs> we didn't know it was a thing. That we yeah. all existed. So um, we just, we found some refuge in in that group of people so y'all still go there no No. we don't we actually live outside of nashville now we're in the chattanooga area so uh, we don't but we do still listen to a lot of their stuff from time to time and it it has been really helpful to us and um yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and then again just like finding people like you guys you know like i said it was just like one thing led to the next just led like one to the next and just finding our people Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I will say too, something else that was helpful for me, and I know this isn't necessarily the case for everyone, but there was a time in my process where I found myself still looking for direction from some of the same mm-hmm. voices mm-hmm. that I had looked to before my coming out process. So some of the, you know, big names in the Christian culture that I had, you know, that had been spiritual authorities in my life for so long, it was Mm -hmm. hard for me to continue to receive from them while I was juggling, figuring out what I believe, you know? So some of those mainstream Christian names, I went through a process where I actually had to shut some of that out for a little bit. Like disconnect from every bit of it. Mm -hmm. While I was figuring out what I was believing because the... I, it felt like I was getting mixed signals, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, you're saying all this, but mm-hmm. I know that if I were to try to show up at your church and be in leadership, you wouldn't let me, you know? And so I just, yeah. all of that dissonance, it was too much. And so for me, I, it was actually really helpful for me to, I did like a clean sweep of my social media mm-hmm. and all of these yeah. influences that I had been following, even though they were good Christian influences, you know, I did a clean yeah. sweep and I just, I got, it was no longer healthy. It wasn't helpful or healthy, and it wasn't ever going to, at least for me, provide me the peace that I was needing as far as mm-hmm. how do I reconcile these things? How do I build something that feels right for me? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was actually really helpful just to kind of clean out some of those older influences. Yeah. And I started rebuilding with people who were – saying and and preaching and um, allowing a bigger table, you know, a more Mm -hmm. inclusive worldview. And um, it was actually a really beautiful thing. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you have to think like even halfway through our journey, we were still trying to be involved in the church. And we had visited this other church in Nashville that was a quote affirming church. But when it came down to it and we actually wanted to step into leadership, they were like, oh, you can be here, but you can't be in leadership. Mm -hmm. So even like having to cut people like that out that were, you know, they 
claimed to be affirming, um, but only to a certain extent. Yeah. So, yeah. So it was helpful for us just to kind of make the distinction of there's a whole group of people, a whole movement of Christian people who are, you know, building something that's inclusive. And that's what we wanted to be a part of. And that's what we knew would be most helpful to us versus trying Mm -hmm. to find something from the old that we knew would never, they weren't, they didn't have the capacity to, to give us. And so it was helpful for us just to make that distinction and and move forward. So, yeah. Have y'all seen the stuff with, uh, I'm going to mess up his last name, but Stephen Furtick, is that how you say it? From uh, Elevation Worship. Yeah. I always mess up his last name. Have y'all seen the video that's going around now on Mm -hmm. TikTok? It's like, he's talking about context and then he talks about gay people. It's like, it's a whole sermon and I haven't watched the whole thing, but I've just seen like the clip and because they're involved with Bethel and they're involved mm-hmm. with other big major mega churches, mm-hmm. yeah. I have my wall up because I'm like, I love their music. I am on the worship team. And when I get to choose songs, I will choose a lot of their songs. I love just the songs that they're putting out. Um, but it, I still have my wall up because I'm like, you're saying this and it's making it look like you're affirming, but would you let someone like me yeah. be on your worship team? Probably not because right, I'm not yeah. as talented as their musicians. That too. <laughs> but <stop. laughs> their musicians are amazing. But um, also, yeah, I'm married to a woman. So there's that too. Yeah. And Ooh, so I'm just like, detail. <laughs> yeah, are you, are you trying to open this door and look more hip and cool? Or do you really, one of my questions is, did your kid come out? Did one of your kids come out? And that's changing yeah. your heart. Because yep. that's always, if you have more than one kid, Chances be careful what high. you say about yeah be careful yeah. that's what me and money always say don't judge someone else's kid because then you're going to end up with a kid like that um, <laughs> i judged kids at walmart and now i have a walmart kid so like you gotta yeah. be careful um but that yeah. was like my question because i'm like well did one of his kids come out what, is he truly affirming mm-hmm. um because these are things you know i would love to go to any worship concert or any, you know, conference, but then it's like, but what's going to happen like midway, like it's happened recently, you know, to us. And it was shocking because it doesn't happen to us anymore. And uh, we go to a church that doesn't claim to be affirming. And that's um, because he just, it's a church for everyone. And so putting that label on it was mm-hmm. hard for our pastor um, to you know, we just recently lost, but, um, I've been on the worship team for five years. So it's like that affirming label. What does it even mean if you're not actually the action? Yeah. Yeah. Where our church does the action, but doesn't have the label. And that's what's important is the action. That's what really matters. Yeah. Yeah. No, we hadn't seen that video. And that's what I mean when I say we've cut cut out a lot of that influence just Mm -hmm. because it was hard for us to you know, continue to allow a certain level of authority in our life if something that Mm -hmm. was so crucial for us. And he was actually one of the biggest people that I followed that I had to, I ended up having to cut out. Yeah. So hopefully, Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe he is, like you said, maybe something has happened that has made him Mm reevaluate. That would be, Mm -hmm. that would be really great. But I do also know that, like you said, it could be trendy, the trendy thing. Yeah. You know, because the culture's changing and, you know. I, yeah. So I hope it's for the right reasons, regardless. So, yeah. 
And it was 1946, the documentary, who shared it. That's where, and I kept seeing it from other, like, people I follow on TikTok. Mm-hmm. It wasn't actually them that posted that ex- that little clip. Somebody found it. Somebody shared it. Mm-hmm. But gotcha. still, I think we're all, all the people in that community that have shared it, are all, if you go to the comment section, we're like, but what's the full context of what he's saying, you know? And yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's a sad reality, I think, for a lot of us that yeah. have been traumatized and we do have walls up because we're like, is this, is this real? Is this mm-hmm. Jesus's love or is this you trying to get more people in your door and in turn you're going to cause more trauma? Right. Um, I wish it wasn't that way. I wish yeah. that we didn't have to have that fear and that, yeah. am I going to be accepted here in this restaurant, you know, let alone church. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. um, I love that y'all have started um, the Proud Love Collective, and I've gone on your website and read a bunch of different stuff that y'all have posted, mm-hmm. um, stuff on Instagram. If you're not following them yet on Instagram, I will ha- add the links in the video comment section and on the yeah. Apple Podcast comment section, um, or notes section, I guess it's called. Um have y'all, I know y'all reached out to me on Instagram a long time ago. That's kind of how we got connected. Mm-hmm. Have y'all experienced some of the same stuff? As far as? Like different we, kids that are coming days. out or they're going through their journey. Oh, Because yeah, y'all's, y'all's posts are amazing and your you. life is beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, we, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> it was kind of funny. So we've been getting, you know, messages here and there for years now just because Mm -hmm. we got to a point where we were very started to be very open on our just our personal social media pages just as you know a way for us to you know be ourselves Mm -hmm. if we were a straight couple Mm -hmm. we wouldn't think twice about posting our engagement photos or you know what I mean and so we just started taking that step of being more open with our personal lives um for several years now and so we would get messages here and there from people yeah. from all over, you know, saying, hey, you know, I follow you guys, have followed you guys for a long time. Thank you for being mm-hmm. open with your lives. Here's mm-hmm. what I'm going through. Like, I think I'm gay and yeah. I don't know how to handle that. Or, um, and so we would get those messages and, you know, try yeah, to. like started being like more and more and more and more. And we're like, okay, we have to do something about yeah. this. And it, yeah, I have been talking about Proud Love Collective. We have for years and literal even probably since before you knew me you were talking about stuff like this because as soon as we even started dating it was like one of the first things out of your mouth in one of our first dates I remember saying I wish there was a place that we could all go and talk about these things because we can't be the only ones and um so it's it's been something that I've been wanting to do for a long time but as these messages just you know have continued to come in and come in we just finally Mm -hmm. feel like okay like now is the time we it, we need to put this together we need to actually start you know yeah. being more vocal with what our goal for this is and to actually really start putting out some material that can really help people on a larger scale you know because we can only get so many messages and respond so quickly and you know so we wanted to make it yeah. a, a bigger thing that a community could come together and support each other and not just us to, I mean, because we're just two normal people and we're just yeah. offering our experience, but that, you know, but when you can get like a collective group of voices mm-hmm. together, kind of echoing some of the same things, um, that's really beautiful. So our 
goal for this, obviously right now we've got the Facebook and the Instagram pages are, are live. And so we're trying to post um, helpful material on those just as a, mm-hmm. you know, a free resource. And then um, what we're working on right now is actually an online mentorship program and a private safe Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Um, and so our, our hope with that is to have a, a, a structured Um, safe environment where we can actually walk through some of these issues. Mm -hmm. Uh, The big questions like, what do I believe about God? Here's what I was taught and I'm trying to figure out what I believe now. And then how does that play into my sexuality? And not in a way of like telling people, here's what you should think because that's not helpful, but here's a safe space for you to ask those questions and to hear from other people who are also on that path, Mm. Um, you know, and just kind of some of those stair steps that were helpful for us walking through those. So that's kind of our goal with the mentorship program, and that will be coming out um, in September. We'll start Mm -hmm. um, generating some uh, more information about that. So Mm -hmm. that's the overall goal is just to create a safe Safe. community where we can all kind of support each other through all of this. So I love that. Yeah. And one of the things on your website says coming out can be hard for LGBTQIA plus. I did it. Christians, it can be even harder. There's a lot of letters. There's a lot of letters. Um, We've got a long acronym. Yeah. Um, and just I love that you're creating a space. It says coming out can be hard, but and you shouldn't have to go through it alone because it is scary, especially mm-hmm. in a Christian community. I think it's scary for a lot of people. But with that background, it's even harder. And so I appreciate and love that y'all are doing that. Um, yeah. Thank you. And helping. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. I mean, cause it's true. It coming out is hard, can be hard across the board, but when you mm-hmm. have that extra layer of the religious aspect, and it doesn't even have to just be Christianity, like a, you know, yeah. a, a fundamentalist religious background regardless mm-hmm. yeah creates a layer within yourself of you know probably some shame and mm-hmm. fear and um outside of the fear of the external reaction what are people going to say mm-hmm. what are people going to think you know all of that comes along with coming out period but the inner um am i okay Am I mm-hmm. sinful? Does God love yeah. me? Like that's an extra layer that if you didn't grow up with a religious background, you don't necessarily maybe have that or at least to the depth that mm-hmm. some of us have where we didn't mm-hmm. know how to separate our personal identities from the identity of the church and what the church had taught us of how we were supposed to think and act and and be. And, yeah. you know, so just kind of reclaiming that sense of self is an extra layer in the coming out process that I think is unique for our mm-hmm. community. And that's something that we wanted to create a space for to address specifically. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I've, I've read before, like, I'm going to mess it up, but whenever you're in the closet your whole life, you're hiding parts of yourself. And then when you come out, you're trying to realize what parts are actually me and what parts aren't. Because yep. we spent so much time hiding who we are and yeah. we don't know who we are once we get yep. there. And that's, uh, I mean, me and Maya got married really quickly. So I did a lot of that processing 
as a newlywed. And it was hard yeah. to be like, wait, I was still questioning, can I be married and can I be gay? And yeah. is God watching my every move? And um, just all kinds of like, I look back and I'm like, whoa, like, how did we survive all that yeah. craziness that was going through my head, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, it is, it's a hard process and it can you can even be out and you can be in a relationship, you can be married and you're still processing through all those things, even though you're happy, right. even though you're in a safe place. It's yep. years of built up conversation in your head that maybe you mm-hmm. never even had with a person, yeah. but you put it on yourself. So I love, I think it's going to help a lot of people. And um, I just feel like we're both trying to do the same thing in different ways. Yeah. I love it. And it's, Great. And so if y'all haven't gone, you know, go follow them. If you're someone who's struggling to come out, they have this amazing opportunity for people to just to connect. And I just highly encourage that if you have a story to share, to go there and help other people, because we shouldn't do this alone. And it is scary stepping out and being a voice to try to help make this change. But I think it's so needed in this culture right now. And, um, with all the negativity we see on social media right now and the back and forth and this and that and the sides, I think just love in general and helping and holding hands and doing this together is so needed and so important. So thank you all again for this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anything that I did not cover that y'all wanted to share before we wrap this up? I think so. I think if there's anything that, you need us to cover more or say differently, let us know. But I don't, I don't have anything off the top of my head. Yeah. Yeah. I can't think of anything. I mean, really, I feel okay. like you touched a lot. Um, yeah. So thank y'all. Thank y'all for your time and for getting on here with all the little yeah. glitches we had along the way. <laughs> thank you. And we appreciate very much what you guys are doing yeah, with this absolutely. podcast. It's definitely so needed. And we agree, you know, there's a huge sea of voices that are actually all saying we're all saying some of the very similar things we just you know have been kind of dispersed or maybe hadn't been connected or whatever so i feel Mm -hmm. like it's great to finally see that this um community is is coming together and so thank you for what you guys do yeah thank you all so if you're watching um please go follow them please like and subscribe um i will definitely link up everything that we've talked about and i appreciate everyone watching and listening coming back every week and going on this crazy journey with us um so until next time have a great one hey guys thanks for listening to my mom's podcast be sure to hit that subscribe button turn on the notifications and give this video a big thumbs up also thanks for your comments